Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to worship here at Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens and I serve as the pastor here. It is a joy and a privilege to be worshiping with you today online, whether you're joining us on Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, today is the third Sunday after Pentecost here in the midst of ordinary time, though it seems as if nothing is ordinary these days. Uh, ordinary time is the longest season in the life of the church. It takes us all the way from Pentecost up until Christ the King Sunday, which is the final Sunday before Advent near Thanksgiving. So it's a long, long period uh, in our in the sort of calendar of the church year. We are spending a good portion of our summer, this summer, going through uh, Jesus' parables of the kingdom. Uh, we've looked at the parable of the sower, and we're going to continue with the parables in the coming weeks. Uh, I just want to express my gratitude that you have decided to join us today to worship the living God together to hear what God has to say to us today. Uh, typically, today is a day that I'm actually not in church, which is to say that this is the Sunday just about every year that I'm not uh, with Cokesbury because I'm at annual conference with all the other Methodists. Annual conference is a time set apart for uh, lay leaders and clergy across a geographical area to seek renewal through worship and prayer. It's a time for us to honor those who have died since last we met. It's also a time for us to commission, license, ordain new clergy uh, for the work of ministry. But because of COVID-19, our annual conference this year is being delayed until the fall, which means I get to be in church on a Sunday. I'm usually not in church. So I'm grateful uh, to be here, to be part of this church. One of the things that happens typically, if you're not a Methodist, you might not know about this, uh, but uh, clergy are appointed and they are sent. We, ha we are itinerant, which means we go at the whim of the spirit, which is to say also the bishop and the cabinet. So it used to be that uh, after annual conference every year, or even sometimes at annual conference, a pastor would find out whether he or she was moving, uh, moving to a new church. They'd have between a Sunday and a Sunday to pack all their belongings and move somewhere else. It's not really how it works anymore. Uh, however, uh, it, this is a time where it is a new cycle for the annual conference. Uh, I neglected to write about this on the website or the Facebook page or any of those number of things uh, because we've been so busy with so many things going on in our nation, in our world. I forgot to share that I'm being reappointed here for another year, uh, which means that I get to serve as the pastor of Cokesbury Church at least for another year till June of 2021. I'm very, very blessed uh, that I get to be here. And I just want to say thank you to the many of you who have prayed for this pastor. He needs all the prayers he can get. It has made all the difference in the world. And I look forward to another year with this remarkable community. With that, I encourage you to find a comfortable posture. Uh, we're going to have just a, a brief moment of silence uh, for prayer as we continue to prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Lord, you know who we are, people with good and bad consciences, satisfied and dissatisfied, sure and unsure, Christians out of conviction, Christians out of habit, believers, half-believers, unbelievers, but now we are all before you, and all our inequality equal in this, that we are all in the wrong before you and against each other, that we all must die someday, 
and that we would all be lost without your grace, but also in that your grace is promised to and turned toward all of us through your beloved Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, Amen. Just a, a few general announcements, the first being uh, we are still continuing to monitor the situation with the pandemic and what it means for us to reopen for in-person worship. The church certainly hasn't been closed, but we've been closed in terms of people gathering together to use our building. Uh, the cases in Northern Virginia still make it uh, difficult for us to discern whether now is the right time or not to reopen the doors for Sunday morning worship to make sure that we have all of the protocols in place to keep people safe, keep people keep you uh, healthy, and to be faithful at the same time. We will continue to keep you as updated as is possible about the plans for uh, this church going forward in terms of opening our doors again in a way uh, that looks similar to what it looked like before all of this began. There is an online bulletin uh, that you can reference if that's helpful for you that has our scripture, our hymns, prayers, those sorts of things. You can find it in the description for the video, whether you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook. And we've been continuing to try to stay connected with people as much as is possible through things like email devotionals and weekly Bible studies. If that's something you'd like to participate in, feel free to check out more information on our church website or on our church Facebook page. Those are the best places to know uh, ways that you can connect with us and what we're doing. Uh, again, I ask you to just sort of find a comfortable position as we continue to go to God uh, and listen to what God is saying to us. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Would you please pray with me? Lord God of light, Shine in our darkness that we may see that this world, for all of its distortion by sin, is still your world. Give us the virtue of courage, to fear rightly that which we should rightly fear. Give us the virtue of love, that we might rightly hate that which is hateful. Give us the virtue of prudence, that we might know what to fear and what to hate. For this task, we pray that we might learn to trust one another, as we are completely incapable of being faithful alone. And now, Lord, no matter who we are, no matter where we are, we lift up to you our own joys and concerns in prayer this day. And as you taught us, Lord, so now we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the gospel according to St. Mark in the fourth chapter, verses 21 through 29. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Again, the text can be found uh, on the online bulletin. Hear now God's word. Jesus said to them, 
Is a lamp brought in to be put under the bushel basket or under the bed and not on the lampstand? For there is nothing hidden except to be disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more will be given you. For to those who have, more will be given. And from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. He also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow, and he does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. And when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today is number 561 from our hymnal, Jesus United by Thy Grace. There are six verses, but they're all very short. This is 561 in our hymnal, but you can find the lyrics for it on the online bulletin. Please join me in singing this hymn. I'm going to head over to the drums so that we can sing together, Jesus United by Thy Grace. Jesus united by thy grace, and each to each and dear. With confidence we seek thy face, and know our prayer is heard. Help us to help each other, Lord, each other's cause to bear. Let all their friendly aid afford, and feel each other's care. Up unto The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Look, friends, the Bible is a strange thing and God is even stranger. For if you ever decide to lift it up and take a stroll through the strange new world of the Bible, it's quickly clear that God does so many ungodly things like not remembering our mistakes and transgressions, erasing the ledger against us, become sin for us. The only safe way to come to scripture is by first realizing that we really have no idea what we're doing. 
which is just another way of saying God is God and we are not. And this is perhaps nowhere better seen than, of course, in Jesus's parables. They are, without a doubt, some of the most well-known bits of the Bible, though just because we know the stories, it doesn't mean we actually know them. After all, they are told in such a way that they destroy every preconceived notion about what we think we know about God, such that after hearing a particular parable, the only thing we can be sure of is that we know less than when it started. Because Jesus is far more concerned with just telling stories than explaining them. G.K. Chesterton, contrary to how we so desperately want things explained all the time, he once opened that if you tell someone a story and they claim not to understand, tell them again. And if they say they still don't understand, give it to them a third time. But from there on, if they still insist they do not understand, the only thing left is to praise them for the one truth they seem to have a grip on. Yes, you say, you are quite correct. You do not understand, and you leave it there. Now, if Jesus wanted things simple and easy and therefore accessibly presentable, he would have told the stories that way, but he didn't. And not only did he come to preach these paradoxical parables, the gospel writers tell us that Jesus endeavored to speak nothing except in parables. The kingdom of Jesus, whatever we think it might look like, is always and forever far more mysterious than any of us can possibly imagine. Listen, when you buy a new lamp for your living room, do you hide it under the rug or do you leave it in the closet? Or do you put it on that nice table right next to the couch so it really lights up the room? Hidden things are brought to the surface. Secrets are exposed. Listen, the kingdom of God is is as if someone threw seeds onto the ground and then went to bed. Overnight, the seed produces of itself and the person has no idea how it happened. What in the world is Jesus cooking up here? The lamp, the light that shines in the darkness, the good news in a world drowning in bad news is the word that comes with the kingdom. It is Jesus himself. But unless that lamp is set up in such a way to spread light near and far, the light will never be seen. Or, to push the parable in its profound direction, if we keep sweeping Jesus under the rug, if we hide him in the closet when no one is looking, if we stand them on anything other than the story of a world turned upside down, then we really will be stuck in the darkness. For the kingdom that Jesus embodies, inaugurates, incarnates, it's already here. It's among us. We don't have to sit around and wait for it. We don't even have to work for it. The best thing, really the only thing we can do, is not make Jesus' job any harder than it already is. But for some strange reason, maybe we can call it sin, we believe it's our job to do Jesus' job. You should probably be able to tell that I'm bringing you today's sermon from somewhere where I don't typically do it. I'm usually, in the midst of this pandemic, preaching from the sanctuary at Cokesbury. But today I'm bringing you the sermon from the Midwest, where my in-laws live. In fact, I am preaching right now from my mother-in-law's beautiful art studio. It took my family and I a long time to drive out here, particularly with a four-year-old who wouldn't stop asking the one question you're not allowed to ask on road trips. And throughout our westward journey, I was confounded by how many theologically infused highway billboards coasted by our windshield. Some of them were pretty straightforward with promises of a friendly church atmosphere, seven miles ahead at exit 86. 
Others displayed these stock photos of families with children of every ethnic and every racial background, all under a church name, just so the observers will know that no matter what they might be like, they can find people like them at the church. Even though, statistically speaking, churches are some of the most segregated spaces in the country. But the overwhelming majority of the billboards were, to put it mildly, absolutely terrifying. Stop and accept Jesus now or suffer the consequences. Do you want to burn forever? Call this number. Avoid eternal punishment with three simple words. Jesus is Lord. And that sign was followed by three smiley face emojis. Almost every churchy sign, with the exception of those with empty promises about a welcoming, loving, tolerating congregation, they were predicated on making an action now to ensure your future. And that future is what we in the church often call heaven. And to our wandering and wandering imaginations, heaven is often filled with fluffy clouds and pipe cleaner halos and frankly a whole lot of boredom. But in scripture, the thing those signs portend to represent, heaven is actually a whole lot more like earth. In fact, it's those very two things wedded together. The predominant image Jesus uses to describe the kingdom of heaven throughout scripture, throughout the New Testament, is a wedding feast. It's it's a party that never stops with plenty of food and plenty of drink and the best music you've ever heard in your life. And that kingdom, the kingdom of celebration, the kingdom of heaven, is what Jesus says is sown on the earth, lit like a lamp, never to be hidden under a basket, never to be swept under a rug, never to be locked away in a closet. Which is just another way of saying Christianity is less about what happens when we die and more about what's happening with and in the life we've been given. The kingdom is already done. It's here. It cannot be taken away. It is a lamp set up on a lampstand shining bright for all to see. It dwells in us, among us, for us, with us. The person of Jesus Christ, the kingdom incarnate, has already done for us that which we could not and would not do for ourselves. That is the light in which we live. But rather than just leaving it right there, because Jesus loves parables, he continues with his penchant for parables and proceeds to give yet another illustration of the very points he's been cooking together. Consider the seed that grows without work on part of the one who threw it in the ground. The kingdom is here, planted right here, at work in this world right now. Jesus is sown into all of this. And brings about a new reality that shakes the foundations of everything we hold dear. It's by his death and resurrection, Jesus, as God in the flesh, who reconciles everything, everywhere, to himself. At the end, when he makes all things new, he makes not just a a new heaven where we get to go to, but he makes a new earth, combined and mixed and stuck together forever. That is God's work in Christ And it happens for us, but most importantly, in spite of us. Notice, once the person in the parable sows the seed, nothing else is done. The sower goes to bed, wakes up, goes to the grocery store, maybe hits the gym for a quick workout, comes home to make dinner, goes to bed again. This is what happens day after day, night after night. All the while, the seed that is the kingdom, it sprouts. It grows in a way the person simply knows nothing about. Jesus says the seed bears fruit of itself automatically. 
the kingdom has been sown into the world among sinners and saints, the best and the worst, the greatest and the least, the perfect and the pitiful, and it will come up a perfect kingdom all by itself. It grows without any help. And when it's ready in all of its ripeness, that's when the sickle comes because the harvest is made. And that, you know, sounds nice. It kind of sounds like some of those billboards about everybody being included. But what about bad people? I mean, do they get taken up in the harvest? What about the person who burned that bridge with us so long ago? What about the people in the news every night that just make us so angry and make us clench our fists? What about those we clearly believe are on the outside of the realm of Jesus' kingdom? Well, it doesn't really matter what we think. Because Jesus here doesn't make any distinctions the kingdom is ready for harvest, and that's that. And that might be the most confounding part of this paradoxical set of parables. It's confounding to people like us because every single one of us is an eschatology junkie. We are consumed by this idea that in the end, in the eschaton, wrongs must be set right that those who are evil must be kicked out of this intertwined new heaven and new earth, and that the only way the kingdom can ever come is if we separate the good from the bad, the deserving from the undeserving, the saints from the sinners. You notice, in the kingdoms of earth, our favorite solutions to problems are knocking people down a peg or two. And if that doesn't work, locking them up behind bars. And if that doesn't work, if all else fails, we get them out of the game forever with something we call the death penalty. We set up systems, otherwise known as powers and principalities, all in the name of law and order. But in the end, they keep the poor poor and the rich rich. The last last and the first first. They lift the mighty even higher and they bring the low even lower. They, to put it simply, make the world a better place by making it better for certain people and far worse for everyone else. Remember, it was law and order that nailed Jesus to the cross, church and state finally getting their act together so they could work together for the common good to keep suppressed that which they disagreed with. It was law and order that nailed Jesus to the cross, which sadly isn't too far of a stretch from how we're still living. To bring it full circle, we think it's all up to us. We believe that we have been so elected by God to be the great arbiters of morality and justice and goodness, all the while the world continues to go down the drain. We come up with all these so-called great ideas about how to fix everything when, even if we do take a step forward, it doesn't take long before we're falling and tumbling backward. The kingdom grows, Jesus tells us, because the kingdom has already been sown into the ground. It grows of itself in its own time. And above all, we don't know how. Any and all the bright ideas we might have of making the world a better place, about how to fix everything we think is broken, how to make people more holy and faithful and good and honest and true, they will always and everywhere fall short of what God in Christ has already done and what God in Christ is forever doing. I mean, this has been proven again and again throughout history because if the kingdom could have been made to grow perfectly in this world by our own bright ideas, it would have sprouted up all over the place and there would never be anything bad on the news at night. But it never did. And it never will. Except, except 
in a mysterious way that will always be outside of our moralizing and our addiction to knowing how everything should be happening all the time. We, we might be obsessed with the end as we see it, the eschaton, but Jesus in this parable, he reminds us that the end isn't up to us. The end is in his hands. So too is the present. The kingdom is already here. It is made manifest among and within people like us. The kingdom is here and it is happening and we know not how. Now for a people hell-bent on having explanations for everything, that's bad news. But for those who live in Jesus' kingdom, there's really nothing better. So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name. For you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. God gathers us together. God speaks God's word to us, and we respond to that word. We can respond with the giving of ourselves, with our prayers, our presence. We also respond with the giving of our tithes and our offerings. If you feel called to give and to support the ministries of this church, please give with glad and generous hearts. You can give by using um, an online donation. The button for doing so is on the description for this video. You can give by sending a check in the mail or dropping off an offering here at the church. We have a a drop slot by our main office entry. But give. Give generously that we might continue to be able to do this, to share the good news as much as is possible in ways seen and unseen, that the light might always shine, even in the darkness. Another way that we like to respond to what God has said is affirming our faith, uh, using something like the Apostles' Creed. So please join me in affirming your faith. If you're unfamiliar with the words, you can find them on the online bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and of earth, And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It is my hope and prayer that you heard God speak to you today, that you might find a way to always let that light shine in your life and for others. So go forth with this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, Keep that light lit in your life, that it might burn like a flame, so much so that you would set yourself on fire, and people from miles will come to watch you burn. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. See you all next week, same time, same place.